Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Be opening your Bibles, and we'll be there in a few moments to Leviticus chapter 19. Whoa, we're going to the scary, dark, dark <laughs> version of the Bible. I uh, just uh, returned from my uh, trip to uh, visit the Moscow Church and uh, had a great time with them. Preached in Moscow last week, and uh, uh, that was uh, always a lot of fun. Of course, uh, I don't speak Russian, but uh, I'm translated when I'm there, and uh, that went great. Uh, we were in, uh, I was in one of the regions of the church that uh, had about 800 church uh, in that particular region, and it was an old casino uh, that they had uh, transformed into a meeting hall, and so beautiful place, and uh, it was great to be with all the brothers and sisters there. Uh, someone said, "What was the weather like?" It was um, it was cold. Uh, it was in the uh, probably low twenties the whole time I was there. So uh, not terrible. It did snow, but uh, you know, uh, not uh, Southern California, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, anyway, it was good to be there and uh, to share that time with them, and uh, they're very grateful. Uh, always they, they, you know, people come up and say thank you so much for the uh, sacrifice that the Los Angeles Church has done for so many years to help us out and, you know, uh, for us to give the money. Actually, the Moscow Church doesn't use any of our money. They're self-supporting, but uh, they are the sort of the conduit. Uh, you know, we send it to them and then they send it out to the smaller churches out uh, in Russia and uh they do a great job with that. But uh, anyway, good to be back home. Always wonderful to, to go, but better to come back home. Uh, today's lesson is, uh, I think, going to be an interesting one, uh, going into the holiday type of time. And we're going to look at scriptures that are related to uh, how can you have a good holiday time. And the idea is with your parents or grandparents. All right. In other words, how how do we handle people older than us? You say, well, I don't I don't have any uh, grandparents or you know that kind of thing. You may not have a lot of family that that's older than you. The things we're talking about apply very easily to your teachers, your professors, uh, people, neighbors, uh, older people, your boss, perhaps. You know, if if, uh, if your boss is older than you. And the, actually the Bible says a lot about the idea of how do we treat uh, other people around us and how do we treat particularly the elderly. In Leviticus 19, are you there? Yeah. Alright, Leviticus 19 and verse 32. It says, rise in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly. Revere your God. I am the Lord. Now, it doesn't exactly identify how old the aged is. Let's get some ideas out there. What? Uh, some of my teenagers down here. What is? Uh, what does aged mean to you guys? Yeah. I'd say about 60. 60. Okay. Uh, yeah. 90 or 100. 
Francine. Yeah, Francine. Any, okay, maybe that's the way to look at it. Anybody, anybody 20 years older than you, and so, you know, you can do the math with whatever uh, the circumstances are uh, for you. I, uh, I do not consider myself aged, but uh, uh, Adrian, I, I, I am 62. <laughs> So Mono is feeling a little bad right now about his definition of agent. But, uh, you know, this, this, I, I do take care of myself. At least I try to uh, most of the time. You know, what is it saying here? Rise in the presence of the agent. Show respect for those who are elderly or older than you. Or if we're using that definition of 20 years older than you. Show respect. Rise in their, their presence. In other words, if they come into the room, notice them, show respect, show uh, a, a sense of understanding that, uh, that they're older than you and that you have a high regard for them. Look in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Of course, uh, the book of 1 Timothy is the Apostle Paul writing to the minister, Timothy, and giving him instructions about how to lead the church and different aspects of what it means to lead the church. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, or 1 Timothy rather, chapter 5 and verse 1, he says this, and he's talking about older men, but it would apply uh, also, with, well, with older women, but uh, in the context, he does say older men. He says, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. And so this idea of how should you act toward people that are older than you? How should you act toward your, your parents or your grandparents? There should be a decided effort on your part to not treat them the way that you treat your buddies. Wow, I'll get a lot of enthusiasm from one of the dads on that. You know the way it is when you're hanging out with your buddies. Right. Whoever your buddies are. We all have buddies, right? Hopefully you have some buddies. If, 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 you, if you don't, you know, we'll, we'll work on that later. Uh, but there's a way that you sort of act around your pals and your buddies. Your, your best friends or, you know, the people that uh, you like to hang around with. He says, hey, you, you should not be treating your, uh, an older person that way. But you should treat them as if they were your father. So he's trying to help them understand, okay, when you're around older people, you, you need to be specifically thinking, how should I treat them? Hey, you hang around with your buddies, you don't think about that, do you? No. I don't. When I'm hanging around with my buddies, I'm hanging around with my buddies. I say what I want to say. No big deal. But he says if you're, if, if you're in the presence, if you're dealing with people that are older, there needs to be a thought process of they need to be treated in a bit of a special way. There is a difference in all of our lives of how we treat somebody younger and how we treat someone older. We agree with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus understood that. He understood 
that there was one way that I would have treated my apostles when they first started following me. And there's another way, he says, that I feel like I need to treat you. And, and he's saying this a little bit later in his ministry, now that we've had a few years with each other. Any scripture come to mind on that? Where Jesus says something, yeah. Um, the later part of what he says, I, I, I consider you friend, right? Yeah, exactly. Look over that. John 15, good one. Austin, you've been reading your Bible. I appreciate that. John 15. John 15, verse 15. You getting that? I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I have made known to you. I no longer call you servants. What would that indicate that He previously did? It would indicate that at one time, the relationship that He had with them is different from the relationship that He has with them now. You know, as a minister, I believe that there's a very different way that you lead the teen ministry and the campus ministry as opposed to the way you lead the married adult ministry. Basically, the teen ministry, the campus ministry, need to be told what to do. (laughs) Do it. This is what you need to do. Do it. But you know, if someone's been a Christian for a long time, that's probably not the way that I'm going to address them. I am going to be much more likely to address them as, well, I think this is what we need to be doing. What do you think? This is what I have conviction about. What do you have conviction about? In other words, I'm going to, the relationship is going to be a little bit of a different relationship because I realize I'm talking to someone who's been a Christian for a while, right? And there's a certain level of maturity that I would expect that they have, and that I need to respect their, their, their age in Christ, if you know what I'm saying. Think of this as parents. How do you parent a three-year-old? How do you parent an 18-year-old? Same way? I would think not. As a matter of fact, As a matter of fact, if you treat your 18-year-old like you treat your 3-year-old, what is likely to be the outcome? (laughs) You're going to have a bad experience, aren't you? Now, even going further, my oldest son, or my oldest child, my son is 32. There's a different way that I treat a 32-year-old than how I treated an 18-year-old. And how I treated a 3-year-old. If I think back over the whole uh, span of, of, uh, of Ben's life or Maria's life and in, 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 uh, in their life of how, how did I interact with them. You know, with a 3-year-old, you don't do a lot of higher reasoning. <laughs> 
You know, it's just basically, hey, this is what you need to do, do it now. You know, kind of a thing. An 18-year-old, you got to have a lot of reasoning. You gotta, you gotta, yeah, what do you think? What do you feel? With a 32-year-old, this is an adult-adult relationship now. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a completely different view of how you deal with them in the relationship with them. But we're, the, the, the focus of this, though, is that how should we treat people that are older than us? Particularly in the context of the upcoming holidays. How should you react around your parents? How should you react uh, around your grandparents? It should be a decided. It should be a thought through. It should be something that you specifically intend to do. I am going to show respect in how I deal with them. Mature people respond to respect. I can tell you, even from someone of my age, if I feel like a younger person is treating me with disrespect, wow, that is not a good thing. You little snot nose, come over here. I don't appreciate it in the least when I feel like you're being disrespectful. Well, guys, teenagers down here, let me tell you something. If you say and act in certain ways in your classroom at school and your teacher feels like you're treating them with disrespect, it's likely to show up in your grade. I mean, if you're right on the border between a B and a C, and you have been an ungrateful, unhappy, disrespectful person, let me tell you, I will almost promise you what grade you're going to get. And it's a C. You know, the only D I got in college, one D in college the whole time. Got in freshman psychology. And I'll guarantee you, I know why I got that grade. <laughs> because one time we were in class, and there must have been a hundred people in this uh, classroom, and we were, we were talking in, in a psychology class, and she was making a point somewhat related to the idea that animals and humans have similar thought processes. And I raised my hand. And I said, I don't, I don't know if I understand what you're saying here. Are you saying that humans and, 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 and dogs think alike? And she said, well, not entirely, but yeah, that is what I'm saying. And I said, well, you may think like a dog, but I'm pretty sure I don't. <laughs> But you know what? I was I, I was right on the I was right on the level, and I got that D. <laughs> Older people respond to respect. Your parents, 
wants you to respect them. And sometimes that's hard. You say, well, my, my mom is disappointed. My, my dad, you know, this or that kind of a thing. You know, sometimes uh, life is made up of what are you going to uh, sort of ignore and what are you going to emphasize? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Really, all of our lives, all of our relationships, what are you going to ignore and what are you going to emphasize? I would encourage you, find something to be respectful of. Emphasize the things that are things that you do appreciate them for. As opposed to, well, it really bugs me. Amen. You got something that bugs you. Wow, big, you know, aren't you really in touch with your feelings? All of us have something that bugs us, guys. Come on. It's what are you going to emphasize as it comes to uh, your relationship with your your parents? Okay, so Jesus understood uh, this this concept of of, of this is I treated you in one way, but now I treat you another way because you're older in Christ. How about the Apostle Paul? Any scripture come to mind uh, of the Apostle Paul? Let me show you one. Look over the book of Philemon. You're saying, I'll bet you know one, Marty. Yeah, I do. Philemon. Now, Philemon that he's writing to here is, is at this time someone he's known for a number of years. And he makes reference to that, that with, with the, in the discussion form. In verse 8, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, Yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, Paul, as an old man and now also a prisoner for Christ. And he goes on, he says, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus. And he goes on and describes the situation with Onesimus that he was asking Philemon to do something. He said, I could do what? I could order you to do this, but what am I going to do? I'm going to appeal to you on the basis of love. See, there's one way you treat someone who's just a young Christian. Hey, they just need to be told what to do many times. There's, a, there's one way that you talk to that, that type of person. A younger person in, in life or a younger person in the Lord. But there's a different way you, tra- you address someone who's been around for a while or someone who has a little bit more experience in life. So point number one, mature people respond to respect. Number two, mature people appreciate wisdom. Mature people appreciate Wisdom. Let me tell you a, a, a sort of a truth that's almost universal, probably not totally universal, but it is a sort of a truism of life. Young people like excitement. Young people like excitement. Older people like stability. Now, that's not true in every single case, but it's an overall, it's a truism, if you know what I'm saying. Younger people like excitement, older people like stability. There's things in life that a younger person might be very impressed with that a younger person uh, is impressed with that an older person is not all that impressed. You know what I'm saying? Let me give you uh, two examples that I think younger people might be more inclined to be impressed with this and older people not. Number one is money. I remember in my life, if someone had money, I was impressed. I was like, wow, they got, they got a nice car, they got a nice house, they wear nice clothes. Uh, I can tell they have money. I, I, I was impressed with that. And I was impressed with people who were handsome, athletic, uh, uh, good-looking people, if you know what I'm saying. I was like, hey, you know, good-looking guy. 
Good looking girl. You know? I, I'm, I'm impressed with them. No, they know how to dress. They look nice. You know, that kind of a thing. Here's the thing with things like being impressed with those things in life. Is those things that are things that can be there and gone very, very quickly in life. You see, now that I've lived a few years, I've known a lot of people that had money at one time, and now they don't have much. And you're like, well, they had money. Where did that money go? Well, it went away. And somebody else has it. <laughs> somebody else has it. They had money, but, but, but it's gone. And, you know, just because at a younger time in your life that you're pretty or you're handsome or you're athletic, let me tell you something. As you age, that probably is going to go away too. It's not going to be there all of your life. Look over the book of Proverbs. Got two Proverbs here about this that I want us to read. You know, the Proverbs are about wisdom. And that's what, that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Is that mature people appreciate wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs 27 and verse uh, uh, 23 beginning. Proverbs 27 verse 23. You guys there? Yeah. Okay, you getting there? Yeah. Okay. He says, be sure to know the condition of your flocks. Now, you know, most of us don't have flocks. So uh, let's uh, say the condition of your uh, life, your career, your possessions. Okay. Be sure you know the condition of your flock. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. Wow. There's just some truth right there. Riches do not endure forever. And they're gone. Look over a few chapters to Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 is talking about the virtuous woman. And he's, he does all this discussion about this woman and all these great things that she uh, is doing. And this was you know, his wife and he is really impressed with her and everything. And he, and he comes on down in verse 30. He says, charm is deceitful. What's another word for charm? Personality. Someone's got a lot of personality. Charm. You understand what I'm saying? What did you say, Chris? Attractiveness. Attractiveness. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. You know, I look in the mirror now and uh, I'm telling you, I, I, I look at my mirror and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm morphing into my parents. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, uh, you know the, the skin. You know uh, what they call it, crow's feet or whatever they are. And uh, you know, they, they say your nose and your ears grow your whole life. And uh, you know, I used to look at my grandmother's ears and think, my gosh, Granny, your ears are enormous. <laughs> And they were, you know. <laughs> but you're like, wow, man, I can't believe this is happening to me. Uh, at a younger time in life, you're impressed with that. But at an older time in life, you're not. And, and you've become wise. You, and, and, and mature people appreciate wisdom. Now, actually, the, the, the Scriptures talk a lot about wisdom and how to get it. In James 1, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should do what? Yeah. 
ask God and God will bless you with wisdom. So there, there is a sense of understanding that if you, if you know you need to be more wise, God is, is the author of wisdom and He can give you wisdom. You know, there's a difference between intelligence and wisdom. IQ, you know, we all have, uh, at least scientists uh, have believed in a lot of studies, that we all have an IQ. And uh, I, you may know what your IQ is. I don't know what mine is. Uh, I, I don't want to know uh, what mine is. Uh, that, that, that would be potentially very discouraging, I fear. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the, the bottom line is your IQ is your IQ. You, you can study a lot and you can get smarter, but your IQ is your IQ. But wisdom is something that you can grow in. You can get more and more and more wisdom in life. You can't necessarily increase your IQ, but you can become more wise. Your parents and your grandparents are going to be impressed with you if you demonstrate that you are becoming wise in life. Have you ever heard the term, oh boy, he's wise beyond his years. That, that's a teenager in age that has the wisdom of someone that's in their 20s or perhaps even in their 30s. They're wise beyond their age. That ought to be a goal for all of us to be wiser than our age. We get wisdom from God. We also get wisdom from time and experience. You know, sometimes we become wise because we've lived long enough to get our nose busted a couple times. You know what I'm saying? And you're wiser now, not because you've always been wise, but because you did that and you learned that's not a good idea. If you do that, it's going to have a bad impact on your life. There's going to be a bad result. I did that once and I never did it again. It's going to be like me and, and you know, Psych 101. I never did that again. That was really stupid. That was a freshman smart aleck mistake. And that's un- unfortunately who I was at that time. Hopefully I've become smarter. I've become wiser. And what I do and what I don't do, what I say and what I don't say. So wisdom comes from God, but wisdom also comes from time and experience. Wisdom comes from studying the Scriptures. And in studying the Scriptures, you, would, you, you incorporate the wisdom of God into you. Right. You need to ask yourself sometimes, when older people see you, what do they see? Wow. Do they look at you and say, you know... Uh, right there, <laughs> that, 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 that person's going to learn some hard lessons. Wow. It's also possible that an older person can look at you and say, "I'm so proud." She, he, whatever is learning ahead of the curve. They're wiser than their years. Older people are impressed by wisdom. Point number two. Point number one. Mature people want to be treated with respect. Point number two, they, they respond, they, they respect you when you demonstrate wisdom in how you act. Right. And point number three, 
mature people, and this is this is something that I'm going to I'm giving you a, a, a morsel of wisdom here. That in most cases, uh, or, or in a lot of our cases, is is something that maybe you haven't really gotten or figured out. But I'm going to give you a morsel of wisdom here that if you'll understand this in your inner reactions with people that are older than you, your parents, your grandparents, your teachers, your professors, they're going to look at you and say, whoa, he's, he's ahead of the curve. She's ahead of the curve. Because you've figured this out. Well, you didn't figure it out. You figured it because I'm going to give it to you. Mature people are often discouraged about things in their life. They're often, not every single time, but they are often discouraged about things in their life. Even people that have had a lot of success, and you would look at them and say, wow, they've got a lot going. You say, man, the guy's made millions of dollars. Yes, But his family fell apart. And what does he think about? Does he think, I'm a tremendous success in life. I made millions of dollars. I would tell you, no. That is not what that person thinks about. It haunts him that I was a success in business and a failure in my family. And they think about it often. Many, many times, people that we look at and we would assume, man, they are on top of everything. No, that's not really what's going on in their heart and soul. What's going on in their heart and soul is regret and disappointment for the things that didn't go well in their life. And it bothers them. You say, well, Marty, what am I going to do about that? I, I, I tell you what you can do about it is you can offer them an answer. Look over to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, actually the whole book of Hebrews, is, is a tremendous study in overcoming discouragement. It's written to uh, Jewish Christians that have gone through a lot and they're discouraged. And he's trying to build back up their faith and, 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 and uh, uh, logically, spiritually think them through how they can feel better about their spiritual life and how things are going in their spiritual life. Hey, you know what? If you've lived long enough, you've had a lot of difficult things happen in your spiritual life. There are things that have turned out that you can't really, you can't really think ahead and think, well, that's what's going to happen. Listen, I've had things happen in my spiritual life that if when I was a young Christian, you would have said, Marty, this is going to be something you're going to go through. I would have said, no, 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 no. I'll never go through that. And then you go through it. And you're like, and sometimes what you do is you sort of say this words and, and, and older people here, just listen to me. I'll bet you, you have said this. I can't, you said it in your own mind, I can't believe I'm going through this. I can't believe this is where I'm at. That's where many older Christians or many older people in general are at in life. Your parents, your grandparents. There are things that they are discouraged about. And in Hebrews 10, he says some great things here to help people overcome discouragement. Look at verse 32. 
He says, remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you stood your ground in the great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you had yourself better and lasting possessions. He says to them, here's one of the things you can do to get through disappointment. You need to think back on the times and circumstances and situations that you've lived through that you did a great thing. Right. Now, I've heard people say, hey, you shouldn't live in the past. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think you should live in the past. I agree. Living in the past is not a healthy way to live. You have to live in the present and, and present and plan for the future, right? On the other hand, he clearly says here, you need to think back to the things and times and circumstances that you did in your life that were great things. You need to remember those that you helped become Christians. You need to remember the faithfulness that you demonstrated in the different things that you've done over the course of your spiritual life. You need to remember those things. You see, once again, it, it's a choice many times in life. What, do you, what are you going to remember and what are you going to forget? Right. What are you going to emphasize and what are you going to forget? He says, you should think back and remember those things that you did that at that time really brought you a lot of confidence. Remember the great things. What a great conversation to have with your grandmother. And just talk about the three or four things that you know about her life that impress you. Granny, whatever you call your grandmother. I call my grandmother's granny. I know in talking to, to dad or mom, they told me the story about when you did this or you did that. I, I got to tell you, Granny, I think that is really, really awesome. You have no idea the impact that that will have on that person. Wow. That's what he says. Remember those times. He says, ah, you don't want to live in the past. You know what? I don't want to live in the past, but I don't mind visiting every once in a while. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Because it builds you back up. You're like, yeah! You know? I did kick a few butts and take a couple names. You know? In the day. And And it gives you a sense of self-worth as compared to minimizing those things and being focused on the things in your life that didn't turn out the way you wanted them to turn out. So he says, remember those things. And then he says in verse 35, look at this. I mean, he addresses it. He goes right to the heart of the matter. So don't throw away your what? Your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. Well, you need to toughen up a little bit. That's what he's saying. So that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what He has promised. Now, he's going to quote a scripture here. 
For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. He quotes that scripture in, 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 his, in his argument or his discussion uh, with the people here. He, he, he quotes this and it uses this terminology that, hey, you know, you shouldn't shrink back. And now the Hebrew writer comes in and says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. i got to tell you, I was fired up to get home from my trip because I knew all the college championship games were going to be played. And I was, I was fired up for a lot of them. But I was really fired up about the USC-Stanford game. Because I thought, you know, this game is really interesting because they're really not playing for a, 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 the Final Four uh, group because they, they sort of knew that whoever... Yeah, Dave, Dave Lim hates me uh, talking about this. But, uh, they had, Stanford and USC had lost enough games where even if they won that game, they still weren't going to get into the four. Okay? And, and and so, but I thought th- th- this game has the potentiality of being really good because these are rival teams anyway. They play each other every year, and uh, USC had won earlier. But during the course of the year, Stanford had gotten a lot better, and I knew that because I keep up with things. And I'm like, you know, I'm not sure USC has gotten a ton better, but Stanford has decidedly gotten better during the course of the year. And the game is in Santa Clara, which is just right down the road from Palo Alto. And so I thought this is more like a home game for Stanford than it is for USC because USC has quite a trip to go up to the, to the Bay Area uh, and play in Santa Clara. And so, in my mind, this is going to really be good. And you know what? I was right. It was a fantastic game. I know some of you are not football fans. You're like, what in the world does this have to do with anything? <laughs> I'm getting there, okay? It came down, guys. It was fourth and one. And Stanford had one yard. One yard! To score and win the game. And there's a timeout. And I don't remember the exact words that the, uh, the uh, USC coach was quoted as saying uh, to his defense, but it was something like to the effect of, Listen, they are not going to score! We are USC! And of course, they're all, yeah! You know. <laughs> I mean, they're ripping their face mask off. And I mean, they're fired up. What an interesting thing to say. They're not going to score because we're USC. Really? <laughs> He's saying, we're USC. People don't do this to us. People don't score at the end of the game and win the game on us. We're USC. What does he say here? After he quotes this this scripture about, you know, not shrinking back. This is like a football coach. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. It's like a coach. He says somebody else may be the ones that shrink back, but not us. Mature people are often discouraged. I don't think anything discourages 
anybody more than the difficulties of life, I don't think anything encourages people any more than someone that's younger than them that respects them and they know it to say things to them that build them up. I got to tell you, as a parent of older children, it means the world to me when my children say things to me that are respectful. Dad, I appreciate this. I, I, I appreciate this, this part of your, you know, whatever they say, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't think younger people understand the, the, the opportunity they have, the impact they can have, if they would just take the opportunity to address the discouragement issue. Now, if you don't understand it, then, then you, know, you wouldn't do it, right? You'd just say, well, why, why should I say that to them? Hey, I'm giving you an insight here, guys. Right. People who have lived older than you, they've lived long enough to have, and, and gone through discouragements. If you'll just take the opportunity, if you'll just take the opportunity that's there at the holidays, you've got time, you're sitting at the table after the dinner, you're sitting in the living room, and it's an advertisement between the, you know, you know uh, it's halftime of the football game, whatever. You've got a time. Hey, Granny, let's go walk. Hey, Nana, let's go walk. Hey, Gaga, whatever you call your grandmother. Uh, Gaga, Nana, Granny. What do you, what do you call your grandmother? Abuela. Oh, that's boring. Uh, (laughs) Not really. I'm just kidding. Take the opportunity. Make the opportunity to say the things that could be an encouragement to them. Have a great holiday. You know, I I ask Chris. Chris is blunt sometimes. I said, honey, I, I'm trying to you know, do this lesson about getting people ready for the holidays to have a great impact on their family. She says, well, here, here's what you should say. Don't spend too much money. Don't drink too much at the office party. And, uh, and don't be fasting at, at Christmas dinner. <laughs> that, that could have been the sermon this morning, okay? <laughs> But hopefully, guys, I mean, it's December 3rd. We, we, got, we got a little ramp-up time uh, before we're all going to be with our families and all that. But hopefully today will give you some thought. How can you make the holiday season a great time for your parents and grandparents? Mature people respond to respect. Mature people appreciate wisdom. And mature people are often discouraged. If you can plug those things into your mind, if you can go into it with a game plan, you're likely to have a great impact uh, on your family, on those that you are around and uh, enjoy this season with. Guys, love you. Great to be back from my trip. Great to be with all of you. You are dismissed. Have a great week.